but I want everybody just to go ahead and close your eyes. I've been impressed by the thought this week that, and uh, as I was reading this in a book, um, I almost started crying because this has defined a lot of my life, and even as I start to understand more of my identity in Christ, I, um, I still struggle with this. And, and the thought that um, I have this pile Everybody close your eyes. Make sure your eyes are closed and, and just picture this. My, my pile of junk. I have this pile of junk that is made up of my sin, my anxiety, my anger. Um, this pile that is in front of me. And so often I live my life like Jesus is standing on the other side of that pile. And somehow to get to him, I have to sort through that pile of junk. I have to work on my sin. I have to sin less. And, and oftentimes I feel like when I sin less, I'm further away from God and I sin more. When I'm trying to sin less and I'm working on that pile because my focus is on the pile and not on Christ. And a lot of times, a lot of people in this room are living in their Christianity just like that. But the truth of the gospel and our identity is in Christ is that our pile is still there. But because of the cross, Jesus is standing right next to us and holding our hand, and in the Spirit, our pile's still there, but God's saying, hey, let's work on this together. And Jesus never, ever, ever leaves our side. And when God the Father looks down at us, He doesn't see the pile of junk. He sees Jesus in our lives. And, uh, and that is so freeing. So I just want to p- you to picture yourself with your pile of junk this morning in front of you, but Jesus standing next to you, holding your hand and saying, you know what? We're going to work on this. We're going to work on this when you're ready, and I'm going to be here the whole time. And so I, I want you to find comfort in that and just rest in these moments as we worship together um, and as we hear God's word. Rest, rest, rest. Have you ever been given a gift that you're really excited about and you used it maybe like once or twice and then forgot all about it and never used it again? When we were first married, we we got all our wedding gifts and besides the cash, this was my favorite wedding gift. And side note, newlyweds love cash. If you're going to go to a wedding and you're going to give a gift, just go with money. That's what we like to get. But I got another present for my wedding. And that was a waffle maker. And I was really, who was, thank you. (laughs) Uh, I was really excited about that waffle maker. And I think, if I'm not wrong here, I think we used it one time. uh, And they were really good waffles. But then I forgot all about it forever. uh, And we never used it again. And I just remember this last year we had our friends Robin and Tristan came to our house and they brought their own waffle maker and they made waffles that morning and they were really good. And I was thinking, we should get out our waffle maker (laughs) from 12 years ago. And so I went to go find it in the basement and Kara told me she'd given it away a few years earlier. So obviously that gift had an impact on my life. Um, I have a point here. The point is that we've been given some gifts that we get excited about and then we forget to use. That they, they initially leave an impact on us and then we just let them go. 
We've been given a gift by God, a few actually, um, that I think in my own personal life that I don't use, that I set them aside and I put them away and maybe I'll think about them every once in a while. Salvation is the greatest gift we can get and that's not what I'm talking about. Jesus going to the cross on our behalf, taking our place, rising again, giving us that opportunity to live with him in eternity is the greatest gift we can ever receive. But the cool thing is, and I've said this before, he didn't just stop there. He didn't just stop there. He knew that living in this world was not going to be easy until we get to eternity. We're going to face battles and trials. And so he gave us all these gifts to be able to be equipped and cope and be able to live these lives. Let me read about one of them here. 1 John 5, 14. You don't need to turn there. Um, <clears throat> 1 John 5, 14. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Uh, oh, the 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. The cool thing is, is that we have a God that saved us and then said, you can talk to me. And Jimmy had no idea what I was talking about this morning, uh, but he came over to me with his cool Irish accent, and I'm not going to do it, even though I'm Irish. I wouldn't do it justice. But the first thing he asked me is, do you know the Lord? Yeah, praise the Lord, I do. And I don't know how he said this, but he said, and we get to talk to him. He lets us talk to him. He's not just our Lord, our God. We can talk to him at any time. We've been given this gift, this unlimited, unrestricted line to our Father. Anytime, middle of the night, middle of the day, early morning, we can say anything to him, we can cry out to him, we can talk to him at any time. Ladies, how many times are you frustrated because you can't get a hold of your husband? Right? She's nodding her head. Sorry, buddy. Uh, how many times are you frustrated when you can't get a hold of your husband? Here's someone that you can get a hold of at any time. All times. He said, call on me. Talk to me. Tell me your problems. Cry out to me. Let me know what's going on in your life at any time. Anything going on. When we can't get a hold of anyone else, we've got somebody in probably the first place we should go all the time. We've been given this gift, and I'm not using it. I'm not using it, not consistently, not all the time. So we're going to do it a little differently this morning. We're still going through our, our series here in Ephesians, and we're going to get into the passage, but we're going to talk about this prayer life, and we're going to let Paul drive home our message at the end. And so what I want to challenge us with this morning is what we think about prayer, how we pray, what do we do with our own prayer lives? Because I know as I was looking through this, I was convicted. I was convicted last night when I started to pray after I went through this message. Everything about this challenges me in my own prayer life. I'm going to ask you guys a series of questions. I don't want you to shout out the answers. I just want you to think about them. How these pertain to you personally in your own walk with Christ. I'll tell you my perspective on myself but I want you guys to sort it out yourselves, what you think about these things. The first question is, do you pray? Do you pray? And I don't mean, do you pray? I mean, do you pray? <laughs> Let me explain that. I think every single one of us in this room would say, at, 
at one time or another, I pray. Probably weekly, almost every single one of us prays to God. But I'm saying, do you pray? Is that something that is a big part of your life on a daily basis, consistently, do you pray to your Father? Is that something that goes along with eating and breathing and water? I need to be talking to my Savior. Do you pray? Is it something you do? Is that a regular part of your life? I'd say, for me, it's a part of my life, but I don't know if it's something that I stop and do and make time for on a regular basis because I feel like I need it. And that seems crazy to be up here talking. They even let me get up here and talk to you guys, and I'm not praying on a regular basis. They can't kick me off now. So, um, Do I pray? Do I wake up in the morning and the first person I want to talk to is my Savior because I can't get through the day without it? Is that what I do? Ask yourselves that. Do you pray? Do you spend time regularly in prayer? Second one, and this is a big one for me. What do we pray about? When we do stop and we do call out to our Father, what do we pray about? I think for me this morning, I'm not trying to challenge you guys on the things you pray for because whatever you're praying for is good. <laughs> you're praying. I'm not here to challenge that. I think I'm challenging you and myself to expand what we pray about, what we pray for. Because when I look at my own life, a lot of the times what I'm praying about is myself and the people in the walls of my own home and not beyond it. And I, I think it's easy for us, even as, as followers of Christ, to get caught up in this world. It's selfish. It is definitely a me-first attitude. United States we live in, uh, you know, a home of the free, but you know what, home of very selfish people. And I think we get caught up in that. And again, it's not bad to be praying for ourselves. I should be praying for my walk with Christ. I should be praying for my family and my kids and my finances and my job. We should be praying for all these things. But if our prayers stop and end there, then we've got a problem. If I'm praying for my own life and just the people, the three others that I'm in regular contact with daily, and I don't go beyond that, that's sad. Brothers and sisters of Christ, right here, and I can't, beyond, I can't pray beyond the walls of my own home. What do you pray about? What have you been spending your time praying about? I know for me, it's hard for me to look beyond myself. And I think that's just selfishness. I want to have a regular prayer life where I'm praying for me, my family, and the people around me. And how do we pray? When you, when you cry out to God, when you stop and you do have that time of prayer, how are you praying to Him? Does it come from a genuine, sincere place in your heart where you're passionately calling out to your Father on behalf of yourself, your family, your friends, the people in the church? Are you sincerely praying to God? Or does it come from a place of habit and routine? And I was thinking about how I pray with my son every night. 
Uh, we have our own routine every night, and Kara's going to sing with them, and then I'm going to go pray with them. And it's the same prayer every night. And, and every night I'm thinking, this is the same prayer. I should switch it up a little bit. <laughs> and talk about trying to pray a passionate, genuine, sincere prayer. If I cannot pray for my boy, who I am passionate about, with all this sincerity and crying out to God for my little boy's behalf, who, who am I going to pray passionately for? And so I was thinking about the prayer that I pray for him every night, and it's the same. Every night I'm going to pray that he sleeps well, that he has a good day at school the next day. Colin, make sure that I pray these three things every night. This is my boy. Uh, I've got to pray for no dreams. I've got to pray for no fires and no robbers. <laughs> it's the same prayer every night. But if I was really, this boy, I'm passionate, if I was really sincerely praying for my heart, I probably pray something more like, Lord, I pray that you guard this child's heart. That when he goes to school, that people would not hurt him. And that those insecurities that come, that he would be able to handle them because you're strengthening him. And that he would grow up to do great things for you. And that he would meet a godly woman that he could live his life with. And they would have the best marriage possible. If I was truly thinking about how much I love my boy, I would stop and I would pray that kind of a prayer for him. So how do we pray? Does it come from our hearts? Does it come from a sincere place? I, I look at it as, am I going to my father and crying out to him on the behalf of others? Or am I going to my father and I'm talking to him like I would have asked my parents to borrow the car. Can I take the car? <laughs> Is it okay if I borrow the car? Or am I crying out to him and saying, please, Jesus, this is my boy right here. I want you to bless him every day. I want you to show him your love all the time. I want when somebody is hurting him that he knows where to find his, his strength in you. Do we, on a regular basis, find ourselves praying passionately for the people in this very room? Is that something you're compelled to do? Is that something that your heart feels and longs to do, that I wake up and I want to pray for Mark? because he's a brother of mine right here in this church. Is that something we're doing? I think it's funny, when we're here at church, I've done this many times, you guys can raise your hands on this one. How many of us have been talking to somebody, maybe it's before the service or after the service, and we hear something that they need prayer for, and we as good Christians are going to say, I'm going to pray for you. And then we leave, and we don't ever pray for them. How many of us have done that? All right, we've got a few honest people in this room. I'll take it a bit further. This is worse. Um, how many of us have said, I'm going to pray for you, and then as we're walking away, throw up a really quick, Lord, be with them. As we're walking away, so we're not liars. Be with them. I'm done. I got it done. I got it taken care of. How many of us have done that? Is that a sincere, heartfelt prayer that comes from a place where, gosh, I heard what these people need, and I'm going to pray for them because I'm concerned about them. Not, I told them I'm going to pray for them, so Lord, be with them. I'm done. Peace. I'm out. 
I don't think that's the way it should be. I think we should be moved to pray for the people around us. Sincerely. With urgency. Stop and think about in your lives the moments where you felt like there's nothing else you could do but pray for someone because of something you heard. What was it? What did you hear that moment that you dropped to your knees and you cried out to God on the behalf of someone else? Not in the walls of your house. Someone maybe from church, from work. What did you hear that day that made you think there's no other option but to cry out to God for them? What was going on? I know for me, you know, I, I hear that somebody close to me has cancer. Or somebody close to me's family member has cancer. And I know they're hurting. In those moments, I've found myself crying out to God, heal them. Take care of them. Be with them. I know for me, a true example is when I heard that Mark and Jesslyn had lost their baby girl. That I stopped and I literally was in tears crying out to God because I could connect with them as a parent. That you would bring them peace. I know we were actually at small group the night that we were talking about it. And we all put our hands around them and there were tears and we were crying out to God on their behalf right there with them. Those are the moments that stopped me. Kara and I, a couple years ago, and some of you guys heard this, within a stretch of a couple months, my brother's marriage was on the rocks, struggling really bad. And then her sister's marriage, same. And we were so concerned about them and their kids and what was going to happen there that every night before we went to sleep, we were literally crying out to God to heal that marriage, to protect that family. I mean, days and days we kept praying because we could feel that. We felt pain for them, and we wanted them healed. And then gradually that led to every night we'd still pray for them, but, you know, Jesus be with their marriage. No urgency. And then gradually it led to every once in a while, oh yeah, Mark and Amy, Jacob and Jane, be with their marriages. You know, when we first hear about tragedy, that that first initial shock, that something that hits our heart, I think our first reaction, which is good, is to start praying, is to pray for these people. But it takes tragedy for us to cry out for someone else on their behalf. It takes tragedy. It takes things that hurt us, that, that, that we can connect with them in pain and want to cry out to God on their behalf for. It shouldn't just take tragedy. It shouldn't just take those things. I mean, look at the people around in this room. This is real. I mean, this is not a huge congregation, but if you look around the room, we don't know what's going on in the lives of each other. Most of us don't. But I guarantee you, there are people in this room that are dealing with insecurities like you would not believe. Insecurities that leave them questioning their days, their relationships, their parenting, their marriages, <laughs> how they interact with anyone else. There are people in this room that are dealing with depression that leaves them so they don't even want to get up in the morning because they don't know how to face a day because they're so hurt. There are marriages in this room that are struggling. Some may be just barely hanging on and we would never know it. 
There are people struggling with health and emotional and mental problems. And I would say there's a lot of us that are struggling with our walk with Christ. There's probably some of us in this room that really feel like they have nothing right now in their relationship with God. Is that they're just here because this is what they do on Sunday morning and that there's not a lot of relationship there. We know that to be true right now. That's what's going on in this group of people. Maybe, what, 150? (laughs) That's what's going on. So if it takes tragedy for us to stop and pray, we've got tragedy going on right here. We've got hurt. We've got pains. We've got things that are affecting everyone around us. Yet we cannot look past ourselves and realize everyone right here needs prayer. We've got to be calling out and crying out to God on behalf of each other. I think a big problem with me is that I pray a lot with my head and not with my heart. Let me explain that because I had to explain it to my wife last night. She gave me one of the like, what? (laughs) I spend a lot of time praying how I think I should be praying. You know, be with my family, be with our finances, and, and it doesn't come from a place where I really feel like I should be crying out to God for this reason. It comes from a place that this is what I do. I'm a follower of Christ, so I'm just going to do this. And so I think we spend a lot of our times praying with our head and not our heart. The cool thing is, I can connect with each one of you. I can understand what you're going through because I'm a follower of Christ. And he never promised that it was going to be easy. So every day, we have an enemy that wants to keep us from feeling happy and comfortable and feeling secure in our faith. And so every day, we all are going to face challenges. Every day. I have insecurities big time. Big time. I'm not comfortable with myself. I have things that keep me from doing what Christ wants me to do every day. Karen and I do not have the perfect marriage. I'll tell you that right now. There are a lot of things that we need to work through. My walk with Christ has some good moments and some really hard moments. I mean, there's some days I'll tell Kara, I don't know where he is today. And I don't know how to connect with him. You know what? I think you guys all hear what I'm saying, and every single one of you can connect with me. It's so much easier to pray for someone when you feel their pain. And so if I know what I'm going through, then I know what you're going through. I know what every single one of you guys are going through on a daily basis. And if I know what you're going through, why would I not want to cry out to God for you guys? Because I want you guys doing that for me. I need that. I was in Birmingham, Alabama this last week for our annual conference. Those are always really exciting leaving my family to sit in meetings nonstop that actually add no value to my life. Um, Can you pick up? I was a little bitter about going. Um, Just to add to that bitterness, I got stuck Thursday night and didn't get to fly out and get back to my family because of the weather. And so I had to stay there an extra night. 
And so I got out early that next morning to, and I had to fly from Birmingham to Dallas. And so I'd been up at four in the morning uh, at the airport by five and get on this plane at seven. And I had this gal about my age get on the plane and sit next to me. And this was a tiny little plane, a two-seater. So generally for me, folks, I'm not a big talker on planes. I know that'll come as a shock to a few of you guys. But I will sit there and I'll keep to myself. And, and again, at four in the morning I got up, so I'm not really at seven o'clock ready to start having this conversation. But this gal sits next to me and she's reading a book and I was kind of curious to what she was reading. And so I asked, what are you reading? And she flipped it over and it said something, I don't remember the title, but it said something about um, coping with life in, in grief. And I said, are you okay? And she starts crying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we started talking, and the conversation lasted until we were actually walking off the plane in a couple hours. And she proceeded to tell me, through tears, that just a few weeks ago she'd lost her father. Out of the blue. Her best friend. Her and her dad had this great connection. He was 63, I think. Um, and he just had a heart attack overnight. And so she's just trying to figure out how she copes with this. Um, and it's cool. I brought up something that the Bible says, and she jumped all over it. So she's like, oh, great. I, you know, she was waiting for me to take the first step. I'm a follower as well. I'm a believer. Oh, good. Okay. Uh, and so that kind of led to our conversation, what we were talking about and coping with this grief. But she said something that stood out to me. I thought it was really cool. She said, you know, going through this process of trying to... to understand why and how. You know, I know God's good. But what's hit me the hardest is I heard somebody the other day, she says, that I didn't even know very well, and I heard that they had just lost their father. And in that moment, I just started bawling and crying and praying for that person because I connected with their heart. I knew exactly how they felt. I knew what they were going through. And in that moment, I wanted nothing else but to cry out for that person. And I thought, that's perfect. That's us. I know exactly what you're going through. I mean, not to the extent that you're going through it, but we're all in the same boat here. We're going through the same struggles and insecurities and problems that we all face. So I can connect with you. I can wake up and I can think, I'm going to pray for the grubs this morning because they're going through the same stuff I'm going through. I want to cry out to God on their behalf. I want the Lord to strengthen them. Let's think of it this way. Maybe we're not really struggling. Maybe our marriage is great. Maybe we've got a good walk with Christ going on. Why would we not pray that that would be sustained? Hey, look at this marriage over here with Kyle and Karen. It's great. Lord, strengthen it. Keep, it, keep them from, from temptations and, and battles and, and strengthen that marriage and help it to grow and grow and grow so they never get complacent or content with where they are. Look at that, that walk that Mark has. I pray that you would continue to ground him and root him in your faith and in, in your love and strengthen him every day. I was thinking, it's funny how when, when somebody gets 
really unhealthy and they, they either have to go to the emergency room, the hospital, to the doctor. And the doctor says, well, now that you've had these health problems, you've got to go on a strict diet and you've got to exercise or you're going to have issues. But if you would have lived with a healthy diet and exercise, it would have never gotten to this point. So why do we wait for tragedy to happen to start praying and praying and praying? Why don't we do it right now? Preventative. <laughs> praying for each other. Great, this person is such an example to my life. I want to pray that you continue to grow them. Strengthen them. Bring them closer and closer to you every day. Why do we have to wait for the tragedies to start praying for someone? Why do we have to wait for tragedies to fall to our knees? I mean, I know what you're dealing with on a daily basis, so why wouldn't I be praying for you? We are getting to our passage. <laughs> Turn to Ephesians chapter 3. I want to tell you a little bit about Paul. I think about, uh, he's about my favorite person in the Bible besides J.C., He's my favorite person, and I think I can connect with him. Paul has always said he's the chief of sinners. I always felt like that was me, <laughs> like I was the chief of sinners, but Paul, Paul tries to take that crown. Paul understands being lost. Paul understands pain and hurt. Paul was persecuting the Christians and the churches, and he was helping kill Christians. He understood how lost he was. And so when, when, when God grabs Paul and, and his life is changed and he finds salvation, he sees the depth of where he came and what has happened in his life. And all he wants is to go on this ministry to all the churches and to change lives. And you can see in Paul's writings throughout everything that he put in the Bible there, his love for other people. His desire to see everyone else fall madly in love with God. And so that's what's really cool about this book to Ephesians is that he actually, it said that he spent about three years with the church of Ephesus. And so we really got to know him. He was investing his life in them. He loved them. And so the cool thing is, is that he's, he's in prison right now as he's writing this letter. And this is not a letter of correction or, or call, calling them out. This is a letter of encouragement, challenging them to, to, to be strengthened. Uh, I think it was Kyle that spoke earlier. Chapter 1, he, he, he prays for the church there in Ephesus that they would be strengthened in power. And then he, it leads us to this prayer. And the reason why I wanted to wait to the very end to talk about this and to read through this, because this is... A great example of how we can pray for each other. But the biggest thing that you guys have to get is the reason Paul could pray this prayer is because he loved them. He loved them. He cared for them. He wanted their lives to be better. He wanted God to bless them. That's the only way he could pray this prayer for these folks is because he truly loved the people around him. 
he didn't know, just like we don't, he didn't know everybody really well on a first-name basis in the church of Ephesus, but he knew who the church was there, and he wanted them to be blessed, and he loved them. And for us, if we're going to be able to pray this prayer that we're about to read, it comes from a place where we allow ourselves to get past us <laughs> and love someone else. I know for me, when I pray for someone I love, when I really feel like they are hurting and they need something, those are my most heartfelt, urgent, passionate prayers that I could ever pray to God. Because I truly am calling out to Him and saying, please, heal them, make it better. Don't make them go through this. Help their lives, change them. It comes from a place of love. And so for me, in the church, for us, if we're going to be followers of Christ, if our identity is in Him, then we love each other through His eyes. We see each other through His eyes. We see the pain, the hurt, the struggles, the battles that we all go through. And we pray for each other. Because we want to, not because we have to. Let's read this. Ephesians chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 14. For this reason I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, uh, surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we're going to go backwards right now. Paul says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. He just told us right there. He's able to do it. He can do more than we can imagine. Beyond anything our little faith can dream up that we want to happen, he can do more. He just told us. It's immeasurable. If we know that God will answer prayers, will touch lives, will heal people, will strengthen marriages, will do these things, if we know that, why would we not? And that's what Paul knew. That's why he put it in here. How cool is it? For this reason, I kneel before God. I pray out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit. Just think of yourself praying that prayer for someone in this room. Mike, that he would be strengthened. That he would see God's love. That he would be rooted in it. And that that would change his life on a daily basis. That he would be moved. Read these words. We're not going to spend a lot of time on this. We don't need to. Sometimes scripture is scripture. Right? These words are powerful. 
I don't need to break it down for you. Read these words. This is a prayer that Paul is praying to a church because he loves them. This is our example. And so my challenge to you guys this week is that this is not the last time you read these words this week. Is that you guys go home and you think about your own prayer life and about the people you love and about the people in this church. Because here's the cool thing. Just imagine, and the band can start coming up here. I don't think I'm going to talk another extra 10 minutes. (laughs) But the cool thing is, let's just picture what it would be like if everyone in this room, or, or, or the majority, felt that love for each other to the point where we were daily crying out to God for each other. Just think of that. God promises to do beyond what we can imagine. We just have to to ask. We have to cry out to Him. We've got to ask Him. And so my challenge to you, now I wrote this down because this is how I feel like I pray. (laughs) And I want us to do the opposite. When I look at my own prayer life, I believe it's mostly... It mostly involves inconsistent times of praying half-hearted prayers, mostly about the people in my house. My prayer life, I believe, is mostly mostly involves inconsistent times of praying half-hearted prayers, mostly about the people in my own house. That's my prayer life. So my challenge to you guys is that we could love each other so much that we could get past our, our ourselves and that we could feel that pain for each other and that every day that we would be able to pray. And I don't know how that looks. I, I, maybe you make a calendar and you, you pray for a different family every day. Maybe you just pray for whoever the Lord places on your heart. Maybe you wake up and you try to think of somebody in the church that I want to pray for. Maybe it's the same person you pray for every day for a year. I don't know what that looks like for you. But my challenge for you guys is do it. Not because you, you have to, because you want to. And then let's see what the Lord does with this church. When we spend the next year praying for each other, falling on our knees, crying out to God with sincerity and urgency, Lord, please be with the shorts. Bless their marriage. Take care of them. Grow them in their walk. Strengthen them in your love. Be with their kids. Help their kids to have a great impact on this world. Help them to have the best of the best, Lord. Bless them. Take care of them. A sincere, heartfelt prayer for someone you love. And so I pray that, that we don't forget these things and that it's not like how Karen and I prayed for my brother and her sister that we'll pray for the next few weeks with some passion and sincerity, but once we start getting a little ways into it, it it just becomes back to the routine and the habit. So you guys, search your own hearts. Challenge yourselves. Cry out to God. Ask Him to, to show you what He wants for your own prayer life, who He wants you to pray for. Don't be afraid to tell Him either. I love it when somebody comes up and says, hey, I've been praying for you. I don't think we we do it enough and I don't think we say it enough. So let's be a church 
that loves each other and, and can't wait to cry out to God on each other's behalf. In your name, Jesus, we cry out to you that you would be able to, to soften our hearts and to be able to get us past our own struggles and our own pains and the things that keep us from being able to see everyone else's. And I pray that we would be so compelled to, to pray all the time for each other, just like Paul did. And then we just thank you for that great example, Lord. He, he loved you so much that he would do that for others. I pray that we would do the same, that we would be motivated and moved to pray. And I, I pray that every single one of us would wake up tomorrow morning and, and we want to fall on our knees for the others in this room. So be with us in that way, Lord. We can't do it without you. And the cool thing is you told us to call on you at any time and tell you anything, Lord. So we're just asking you right now, please, Lord, help us with these things. In your name, amen. another family together with them. We're going to have you guys leave here quietly. We're going to keep singing. If you guys, if anybody wants to come up and talk to one of us, Kyle and myself will be around for a little bit. Anybody, any of the other elders, uh, if you need prayer, come talk to us. Otherwise, we can slip out quietly. We keep singing. Uh, just thank you for being here this morning, and hopefully we'll see you next Sunday.